Welcome, Rom Squad. You've got <laughs> Misan and Nana. And yeah, welcome to Yal Yeah. You know, here we are, and we're just two girls standing in front of the world asking it to love rom coms. <laughs> Welcome to the Rum Papa Pod, Rum Papa Pod, Rum Papa Pod. God. <laughs> rum Pod is going to be a thing too. Not Rum Papa Pod. Okay, Buju Banson, please. No, right? be- please. Rihanna. It's Rihanna. Rihanna. Nandow. Oh, <laughs> we're going to have, you know, we're going to rehearse that next time for you guys, Rom Squad, and we're going to come up with something for the next episode. So get mm-hmm. excited. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into Notting Hill, some housekeeping. Uh, so Nana and I are two lady lawyers that decided to start, hell yeah, our, you know, romance pod, or I guess our rom pod, because mm-hmm. we discovered that we both are super into the romance genre, romance novels, rom-coms, um, movies and film. I mean, movies and TV, because movies and film are the same thing. Um And we realized after talking with each other about it that we like discussing it. It's one of our biggest obsessions. Um, And we think it makes sense to talk about the romance genre with a more critical eye and engage in it and have banter and fun. And so now we're adding you guys to the conversation. So welcome to another episode. And yeah, we'll get into it. Yes, welcome to the ROM pod. And the other thing, um, a couple things, but the main thing is that Hell yeah is spelled H-E-A um, because yes. in Rom speak, H-E-A is happily ever after. And any exactly. good rom, you know, any good romance like content is going to give you the happily ever after, the two people getting together, the thing we're all yeah. waiting for. It won't deprive exactly. you of a happy ending. Yeah. So if you think you've read a story that you think it's a romance, but then at the end there's no happily ever after for the two characters, they decide to like leave each other at the end, uh, that doesn't really qualify as romance in our books. Um, mm-hmm. It might be a romantic story, but like you know, romance um, is a bit different. There has to be like a happily ever after, or even a yeah. happy for now, but some sort of like happy ending to the story that we have all you know sort of consumed. Yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah, so we're here to, like, pursue pockets of pleasure, and mm-hmm. the happily ever after is the quintessential pocket of pleasure, so get ready. Exactly. Yeah, this let's do it. This is a pleasurable ride, and I didn't mean that it to sound is. sexual, but I'm going to <laughs> But, you know, here we are, so let's just, like, sit in it. Just yeah, let's just sit in, sit in it. <laughs> I mean, that also okay. was not great, Bison, but okay. I know, I know. At least I didn't say sit on it. Oh, now I did say it. Yeah, you well, did. Anyway. There, there we go. <laughs> Let's just hope our parents are no longer listening to us talk <laughs> on this podcast, because otherwise, both of us are going to get calls at some yeah. point this week. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, now it's time for a segment that Nana has cleverly termed ROM News. Um, mm-hmm. 
Nana, I've got a story for you uh, that I thought you might find interesting. I think the ROM squad will love. So I was, you know, I was, you know, spending too much time on Twitter like I normally do, uh, just endlessly scrolling. And I came across this story that ended up in the New York Post. So this woman who was like an author from Florida tweeted Florida sorry I had to do a shout out I had to do a shout out okay yeah if you guys haven't figured out Nana's from Florida (laughs) anyway so she's like an author from Florida and she like writes for the National Geographic and she has a book coming up uh and so she tweeted that she had just gone through uh, a personal tragedy and that reminded her that life is uncertain and too short so she's gonna book a plane ticket and fly across the country to tell the lover of, of her life how she feels um so people on twitter were like oh my god is this a rom-com come to life they're like oh my god you go get him girl this is so beautiful um you know there are people that were telling their own anecdotes you know about how they had you know sort of just put it all on the line and gone and find their li- found their partners and it ended well or not so well and it just there was this whole outpouring of support and love for her um and then she gets there and she gets rejected oh. um Oof. yeah yeah Oof. it's not quite the was she like calm moment was she live tweeting the rejection or how did that work? She didn't live. So she didn't live tweet the rejection. So basically the way it works is she tweeted out that she was going to fly over. She booked a flight. She was on her way. She like took a photo of herself, like I think in an airport or something uh, with mm-hmm. her mask on. And then, you know, she had people were saying, oh my God, this is a rom-com moment. And I'm, you know, so excited. At one point she tweeted from the sky saying that she had one more flight to go. Um, and then she, oh, what is an interesting thing to note is that this woman responded to one of her like, um, followers of basically was like, this is a rom-com moment. She said, well, I've lived an entire romance novel in the past month down to the plot structure. It's really wild. Uh, so everyone's, okay. so everyone's like super excited. Of course he's going to yeah, say yes, of course. obviously. Yeah. But then the next morning she had a selfie uh, taken by, through a mirror and she said, well, this is me in my shitty hotel, motel room after getting rejected. I don't know whether to be sad or angry, but I'll live to love another day. Whew, Hopefully that Lord. love will be for someone who values it. Sorry to disappoint you, Twitter. Um, which Damn, that is a gut punch. Yeah, it's what you call a gut punch. But I, you know, Rom Squad, as you guys know, like, Nan and I probably switch off on being our resident haters uh, for every given Cynics. episode. Cynics. Cynics, fine, fine. Cynics. <laughs> um, we'll go with that. That sounds more, you know, sort of like, you know, <laughs> professional. Um, but this is weird, guys. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. Like, I, and it might be funny to say for someone that, like, loves romance novels, and, like, I just spent this, like, the past few minutes, like, preaching to you about pockets of joy and finding love, and you have to have a happily ever after. But part of that like part of the conceit of enjoying romances is the fact that it's within a particular like it's fictional or it can be true but it's like within a particular space where both parties are you know party to what's going on here she like flies across the country off on a whim it turns out that this guy she had dated this guy for three months earlier in the year um only three months only three months Earlier in the year. Um, And they had some sort of beautiful trip to the Grand Canyon, but they broke up. And the guy that broke up, the guy who broke up with her basically was like, listen, I'm not ready to have a relationship right now. I have to work through. There are things I need to work through. So he'd Mm -hmm. given her that information when he broke up. Got it. But I think she decided that, you know, um, she was just going to go say, like, 
sort of basically ignoring the actual person who had given and stated his boundaries uh, and yeah. just go and confess her love and see what happens. Uh, so I just think it's a little bit different when you have it in a real life context and the other party has not agreed to go through it. And then it sort of made me think a little bit more about like, if you like apply like some of the like romance novels that mm-hmm. we love or like the rom-coms we adore to real life, how weird does it look? Like that grand gesture or that big speech that someone gives at a wedding. Yeah. And like, all right, now, okay, I'm going with you. I'm going off with you. Like, does that really happen in real life? What say you, Nana? Well, he- yeah, I, I, th- I agree with you. I think there are like a couple of rules of the rom-com. Like one, like everything you see, like all most of the things people do only works if both people are attracted to each other. Mm. Otherwise, it's in- totally insane like it oh like everything you know and so it's like um because like the whole conceit of a rom-com is like you're saying is actually crossing boundaries right it's like it's externalizing your love for someone regardless of whether or not they've asked for it Mm -hmm. and then what makes it okay is that they accept it because they've like loved you throughout Um, but that's like not how real life usually is Mm -hmm. and we I don't know if we'll ever talk about this because it's it's just such like there's so much there. Um, but that's like the whole point of like crazy ex girlfriend, right? It's like mm. a, a show that like plays on the rom com, but it's like no, we're actually gonna apply real life and like what is going on in this woman's head that she would mm. like fly cross country for a guy and do mm-hmm. all this stuff, and mm-hmm. it turns out that she has like you know she's been suffering from mental illness. And yeah. So- which is and why so, she thought it was acceptable. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, at some point, yeah, the show was out a long time ago. Yeah, and it got but canceled so, a while ago, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I think this kind of reminds me of that, which is like, one, the story, this actual story would have worked if the guy was like into it. Yeah. But I think what also makes it a little d- distasteful is that he expressly said that, like, he expressly laid out what his boundaries were mm-hmm. and, and she knowingly like, crossed like, them. Like so. them yeah yeah i will say so i'm reading all this from a new york post article um she's which like, we won't link to because no. we don't promote the new york post exactly because <laughs> screw them horrible people uh but <laughs> she did re- like so she'd like you know part of this is i guess good publicity for her um there mm-hmm. goes my resident cynic um inner cynicism talking um, good publicity for her and her book and her media profile. But she did tell the Post that um, on Saturday afternoon, or rather she told the Post, like, you know, last week Saturday afternoon, or no, yeah, this past Saturday afternoon, that she and the guy, her ex, actually met for breakfast. And these are her words. Okay. So these, this is a quote. They're both being forgiving of each other, and they both think it's worth it to make an effort to be kind. Um, which is nice. You know, all's well that ends well you know she said that she gets some so. solace in that you know people that her story touched people you know they see people tell themselves about how they made these big big leaps and failed and then ended up meeting the real loves of their lives later it was really powerful for her to see and hear uh so i guess there's something good to come of that um yeah but yeah what an interesting well, you know story. question have you ever had a great like made a grand romantic gesture no. I'm just curious in real life of you. <laughs> you didn't even think twice about that. Well, okay, okay. Actually, that's not fair. Hold on. I, that was, I was too dismissive of that. Have I ever made a grand romantic? I guess it depends what you mean by grand, right? Because, like, well, when, well, when grand I Grand within your boundaries. Your, within like, my so boundaries. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I guess, you know, extending myself. I have done that. 
but it wasn't anything like big, like someone making like a big speech or whatever. Uh, but I mm. remember it was like, you know, I bake cookies for a guy. Um, and oh. I'm kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then I, I know, I know, I know. This is like, <laughs> I don't, I don't even want I'm sorry, I can't stop. <laughs> I know, you're horrible. Um, no, it's so cookies. cute. It's I know, so cute. but it's so nauseating. God. So I baked cookies and mailed them because we didn't live in the same state. This was like, you okay. know, like some sort of long distance, uh interaction i wouldn't call it a relationship <laughs> but i mailed so i mailed cookies like i baked them and mailed them over and i think that was probably like that's probably the biggest you know or grandest thing that i've done but it's not i mean you've known me for years it's not really it's really not like me so i guess that would yeah. count as like a grand romantic gesture within the context of like nissan and what she does. yeah what about you i don't think i have which is, it kind of is like explains I'm a lot of my surprised. relationship issues yeah I don't put myself out there it's really hard for me to be vulnerable yeah, or, you know, know. and so that. any like I feel like the the grandest romantic gesture would be for me to like do like the kind of like the cutting edge thing which is like just remember who said it first to be the first one to express interest Aww. I don't even do that so <laughs> oh my god I hate being the first person to do that which, I, yeah I don't even there's do probably that. a deeper it's probably a deeper story <laughs> so I yeah so for as much as I was criticizing her again because the only I think thing that gives me pause is that for his it sounded like maybe he was having like either mental health or personal issues yeah and so that's yeah. why I feel like it's kind of like disrespectful to cross that boundary but otherwise, I kind of have a lot of admiration for people who do things like that. That's, like, braver than I can imagine myself ever being. Yeah, I think there are some people that have, um, I guess it's that ability to be vulnerable. And they put themselves out there in a way that I agree I find admirable. Because um, mm-hmm. it's just not my sort of day-to-day. Uh, I think there are people that are, like, a bit more, like, have, like, a tough shell. And they're hard nuts to crack. Um, but yep. then when they do, you know, it's great. But like to be the one that like leaps first or does all of that, um, I am reticent to do that. So there is something to be said. There was one of um, one of the women that tweeted uh, in response to the story that was like sort of like encouraging her when she like tweeted and like on a Friday what she was doing. Talked about how her now husband like had known her for like only a few months or weeks or something, and then came to visit her in Singapore. Like he just like came on a whim. And that's when they really knew that they were in love and, you know, they've been together for a year. All very, very sweet, right? Um, Then again, but like I said, I don't know if it's the inner cynic in me talking about I was like, wow, that is is such a leap. But can you imagine, like, to fly across, like, oceans, like, an ocean to go to another country, not know how this is going to go, but just, like, do it to see? Because, like, you cannot, like, you physically cannot think of not making that gesture because this person is so important to you like feel like that gut punch that angst yeah you know it's it's very romantic yeah like have i ever i've had a lot of like international romances but they're kind of like just international booty calls they weren't but it's because you were like inner because you were like in another country yeah yeah exactly it wasn't like i flew yeah like it wasn't like from like yeah new york to like you know i don't know greece or something because there's this dude that you met at one time um yeah it wasn't that yeah even I, I think for me i we're spending more on this than we probably should but you're getting to know us wrong squad yeah whatever so. it's fine you guys will <laughs> um, be okay i i don't think this is 
so for me, I think I've done things like that, but there's always these plausible deniability. Mm. And so it's like, I remember there was a guy I really liked in college and I was, we were both doing like Princeton in Africa. I don't think he'll listen to this, but that's fine. We were both doing uh, like, <laughs> like Person a is, program. Like if you're listening to this, maybe you should cover your ears now. <laughs> <laughs> we were do- both doing a program where I was like in Ethiopia and he was in, this is giving away a lot if anybody knows this person. He was in Mozambique. <laughs> You can. Do you want me to stop you here? Or are you gonna no, no, going? no. Are you, I'll, you're going to go. double. You're it's doubling a, it's, down. It's a. It's a truth telling process. This is good for me. I'm so mad you just did like a little shimmy because you're doing this truth telling. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Um, continue but we all like made plans with like a group of people like okay we can't fly home for christmas necessarily because it's expensive we were like Mm. right out of college yeah so like we all agreed to meet in zanzibar and like 99 percent of the reason why i went to zanzibar is because i like wanted to spend christmas with him but like it was under the guise of like well there's this group trip and like where else do i have to go i feel like i've done a lot of things like that like a oh, lot you're like of a little like softy, but plausible yeah. deniability is key. So With like if it's sort of like, den- yeah, like if it goes like sort of like tits up, I suppose you can sort of be like, oh, you thought that? No, no. Yeah. But true. <laughs> like, ah, oh, silly, silly. But it is, it is true that true romance, like a, like a good relationship that is like has romance and is part of that, like a love story requires vulnerability in a way yeah. that can be very, un- I guess the point of it is that it's uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. and so it always has to be like, do you think this person is worth it? And sometimes the person is worth it. Sometimes they're not. And I think the scary part of love is that you don't know. <laughs> exactly. You don't know until you're you have, in it. After you just like time. leap and do it. And that's really, yeah. I find it terrifying, honestly. Me too. Very, very terrifying. Uh, which probably explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, this is why I vicariously consume love and romance through yeah. movies, which, cause it's safe. Exactly. It's like Lara so, Jean and yeah, exactly. Like, like all the Lara boys I love before. Exactly. Yeah. Which is why we connected with her so much, even though we were way older than her. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, so this has been Rom News. And I think you guys also learned a lot more about Nana and I and, re- and our relationships. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> more than we probably intended to reveal, but here we are. <laughs> there we go. We're being vulnerable, um, at least with the Yeah, we're being slide. vulnerable, guys. So be vulnerable with us. Like, if you... Um, we'll probably, we'll try to set up like an email address or a way for you guys to reach out to us. Like if you guys have had similar, um, thoughts or you have like comments on this like story where Mm -hmm. this woman like flew from Florida all the way to Oregon to like talk to her ex-boyfriend, all of that, all of that sounds like something that would be my own personal nightmare. Um, we have thoughts about (laughs) that or just thoughts of like vulnerability and romance and love stories. We'd love to hear about it. And we'll put like an email address for you to reach out to in our show notes. So yeah. Yeah. Let us know guys. And feel free. And feel free to send voice messages if you want to be on the show. Yeah, um, you can yes. use an alias or whatever you want. If for sure, easier. like if you want to like disguise <laughs> your voice or whatever, a la like deep throat, go for it. That would yeah, actually be exactly. more exciting. <laughs> 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 All right, but today we're talking about Notting Hill, right, Nana? Yeah, we're talking about Notting Hill, and we're gonna just do something a little different this time because just to give you a little back ground where I am right now. I am in California visiting my cousin and my baby nephew or my brother and my baby nephew. Oh. And um, my cousin Gina, 
who is also like a huge rom-com fan she's like pretty much my age uh i was telling her oh yeah there was one evening where i was like we're all hanging out and i was like guys i need to watch notting hill for this podcast i'm doing and she had such a strong reaction like first Mm. my one of my brothers who's just a hater was like that movie sucks julia roberts blah because he's a contrarian (laughs) um (laughs) but then gina said that she had always resisted watching this movie um, because she just had an aversion to it. And so I thought it would be interesting if we hear from Gina a little. She sent us a voice message. And the rest of this episode will basically be, if not debunking, sort of convincing her why all her preconceptions about um, Notting Hill are false. So Wrong, here, cousin Gina. Gina. Wrong. Wrong, cousin Gina. Right, so here here's is Gina. Gina. Hey, Cousin Gina here to share my thoughts on the 90s classic rom-com Notting Hill, which um, I am fully 34 and a half years old and I still haven't seen that movie. And I don't want to. Um, like, it feels like a like a, a, a very visceral for me, <laughs> like this, this like aversion I have to this movie. Um, yeah, like I can fully go my whole life without without ever seeing it and I'm gonna be be great. And I think it's because like in the nineties when I would see trailers for this movie and I love rom coms. I live for this shit. Live for the YA. Um and I couldn't get down with this movie and I think it's because I see this trailer and there's a character who He's blonde, and I think, like, his skin is, like, literally, I probably had just learned the word sallow, like, and that's, that, that's just what he gave me. And this side character, to me, just encapsulated everything about Britain that I did not like, that I, like, I looked at this character in the trailer, and it was a confirmation of like, there's going to be some, some, you know, like haggis up in here. Even I think that's Scottish, but like, okay, all the aisles are represented in this one character. It was like all the stereotypes, you know, it was, it was the bad teeth. It was like that there was going to be someone dying of consumption on a corner because I'm just getting David Copperfield vibes now. And like, it's always raining and everything is sad and dreary and depressing. And yeah, all of that was like really <laughs> summed up in, you know, this one side character that featured prominently in the trailer. Um, and just like the general feel of the movie, something about it felt very, I don't know, removed and inaccessible to me. Um, so actually, like now I'm thinking about it, haven't seen like most classic British rom-coms um maybe the first one I saw was like about a boy and I was in high school or like love actually so I'm very curious to hear how you guys are going to break this down because it'll probably help me process um some things that uh I I should I should be taking a look at um in myself to achieve growth okay so what her, you heard from cousin Gina, basically a lot of her aversion to this is that she thinks Spike is gross. 
I don't know if I can debunk that, but there's more to the movie than Spike's grossness. Um, but also, I think what I'm gathering from what she's saying is there was an inaccessibility of, uh, to this, and mm. there was something... And her, Spike's grossness shows her a little bit of her Anglophobia. She mm. seems to have an issue with the Britishness of this movie. And so we'll also be discussing that in this episode. Um, so before, so keep Cousin Gina in mind. Yes. But before we get into this, let's discuss our own either preconceptions or initial conceptions of this movie with our At First Sight segment. So, Misan, what was your at first sight, your first experience with this film? So, I'd never watched it in full until we decided we were doing it for this podcast episode. Um, I'd seen snippets just like, you know, on like basic cable um, and heard about it. And, you know, like we know that like the classic line, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy, you know, we did our own play on it at the top of the episode. So, Mm -hmm. that was my first impression. I was sort of like, and it's interesting because as someone that's like an Anglophile and a rom-com connoisseur, um, this is just not one I've watched. Like I had watched before. I knew people liked it and it was one of their favorites, but it's not, it just hadn't really been on my radar. But I watched this uh, on Saturday uh, for this episode and I loved it. I thought it was mm-hmm. so charming. There's so much opportunity for it to be corny you know, it's very much like a fantasy, right? Um, and there are ways that sort of the conceit could fall apart. But, like, it's the perfect sort of cast between Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant. And they just work really, really well. And it's, you know, it could have been like your brother. It's like, ah, Julia Roberts, nah. What, you know, what's this big deal about America's <laughs> sweetheart? Because, uh, you yeah. know, um, part of the reason that and I are probably friends is that we're both, like, contrarians. <laughs> so, like, there's yeah. like there's an initial sort of, like, resistance to the like idea of Julia Roberts' America's Sweetheart. Look, everybody loves her, but why? Like, are we just being forced to do that? But in this movie, you sort of, you see it. Like, you're charmed. You can't mm-hmm. help but be charmed by her and the story. And I think Hugh Grant is at it's his most charming in this movie. So yeah, that's my At First Sight. Well, very good. Um, so my At First Sight, it's like, I remember, I think this movie, what year did it come out? Me sound like 99 or something? Yeah, 99, May 99. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in middle school and I remember it was really like a lot of my friends liked it, but it was like a certain type of friend who I love them dearly. But I feel like um, there was like a kind of I didn't have the language to say this at the time, but it was kind Mm. of like this sort of erudite NPR whiteness, you know, Mm. where it was like felt inaccessible to me. And so it like, you know, like these weren't the friends who you'd be dropping it low with. You know what I mean? These are the friends that you like listen to like vitamin C and pop and you know, oh, but like they were, C. they were, <laughs> <one out>. yeah. <laughs> but like they, we, it was like not, they weren't part of this like sort because I was from Florida, right? So they're actually, yeah. even with in Florida, there are white people who like you would be dancing like Bubba Sparks with, right? Oh, yeah. But, like, yes. <laughs> but these were that, that, those friends. And so I think at the time I didn't have the language, but it just felt like kind of like, like the best description is NPR-ish. Like that's cute, but it seems mm. kind of grown up, and it mm. seems yeah, like the best word is erudite and uh, like distant. And mm. so I just never, I didn't really connect with it for a long time, even though I like British things. Um, but even that liking British things took a while. And so 
I think I saw pieces of it on cable for quite a bit. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't sit and watch the full movie. I'd, like, yeah. catch, like, yeah. 20 minutes and whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then a couple weeks ago, I because I saw it was on Netflix, and it was, like, about to um, – they're going to take it off at the end of the month. And I was like, let me watch this. Misan. Yeah. A bitch yeah. was in tears. This movie is so good. I cried. I just thought the performances were amazing. I loved it. Yeah. And so – we decided to do it for this show, and I rewatched it like two weeks later. I was a little hesitant because, you know, I had just seen it. I still liked it. The magic and is not gone. It didn't wear off. The yeah. magic is not gone. And it, the funny thing is, this time around, I watched it with one of my brothers, not the hater, another one. <laughs> and he was kind of like, oh, I'm just going to, like, you know, do laundry or something. You know, he's like, I'll, I'll, it'll be on in the background. I might come in and out. But, like, he was not interested, you know. Meanwhile, catch this guy on the couch, eyes glued to the TV. He's like folding laundry and at like key moments he's laughing. We're both into it. And like by the end, we both cheer. We like stood up and cheered when they got together. Like this movie has something (laughs) really special. And so, yeah, that's kind of my experience with um, Notting Hill. It's a good ass movie. It, it takes you by surprise because, I don't know, like, there are all these different elements, I guess, which we'll get into um, shortly, but it just works. Everything just works. Um, and it's got that, it's not, it doesn't have the sort of, like, glossy nature to it. It feels mm-hmm. um, authentic, as authentic as you can be when you're talking about, like, a megastar falling up with, like, falling in love with the a bookshop owner and not even, like a good like sort of like indie bookshop it's like a travel bookshop owner yeah <laughs> as much as you get but you know as much as you can have that say oh this is authentic or realistic but it works really well um yeah and now nana our resident plot master is going to tell you about the plot time okay so uh, how to distill this basically we are in london in the neighborhood known as notting hill Mm -hmm. some know it for hosting the annual caribbean carnival for being sort of the spiritual home of london's caribbean community that i think was gentrified out Mm -hmm. but this movie is focusing on a very pasty but very charming Hugh Grant and his love woes. Mm-hmm. And so the Notting Hill is like a very important part. Like he, we open and it's basically like his, well, okay, sorry. No, the real opening of the movie is important. It opens with a montage of all these images of like Julia Roberts as a celebrity with Elvis Costello's cover of She. Like, so it's like She, you know that song. Mm-hmm. And so, and so it's like showing her at like, movie premieres and like in like clips from her movies and it's like the thing that's a little confusing is that it, while you're watching the movie it's almost like is that julia roberts or is this a character because mm-hmm. it could be interchangeable so mm-hmm. it kind of conflates the two which i think is like an important device throughout the movie and so it opens with that and the first time i rewatched it i was even singing along without even realizing it because that song is like so pivotal yeah. to this movie you yeah, know what i mean it's like the sure. movie yeah, it so is. it opens with that 
then it cuts to Hugh Grant and he's like in Notting Hill and he's showing us like the juxtaposition, which is like his own neighborhood, which is like there's like a fishwife and there's like, you know, people selling like things at like, uh, what should I call it? Flea markets. And there's like a restaurant owner, you know, and he's just showing all the different characters of this neighborhood in such like a sort of an intimate way that you feel mm -hmm. that it's a proper neighborhood. Like mm -hmm. people know each other and he's walking through and he's living like a simple life and he owns a travel bookstore that's failing, you know? And so we're introduced to him via voiceover and then like scenes from his life. So he's like in his bookstore and we know it's failing and he's like kind of talking to his uh, hapless um, business partner and then in walks in Julia Roberts like with like a black Chanel beret, sunglasses, wearing all black and she has an air of glamour even though she's like really dressed down mm -hmm. um and it turns out and like as they're like exchanging and talking he's like i don't think he recognizes her at first but he's like drawn to her yeah and then it becomes yeah, clear through events that she she's like a celebrity and so you can tell him like all of a sudden realizing like oh she's a celebrity and he's like yeah and then he's like you can have the book for free and there's like a change in sort of the way he approaches her mm -hmm. um but I think he like kind of is like says something that is like inviting to her but she's like no and then she leaves and then he is going to get orange juice from like the local like coffee stand and he bumps into her and he spills orange juice all over her top and so she goes back to his place to change and this kicks off the love story um i won't get so minute but the the meat cute is really important yeah. in this so like because uh, <laughs> the nice thing about the meet cute uh, my brother even kind of commented is that this movie has a lot of like like the score is like really important so there's like a lot of that like plucky guitar showing his like little winsome world and, you know mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden like he bumps into her and it's like like there's like a cut and so it's like jarring and yeah. so it's like used for comedic effects um, and so they go back to his apartment and she, they're changing and like she's like he's making conversation and being bumbling in that Hugh Grant way and when she leaves she ends up kissing him all right this kicks off everything we're also like introduced to and we'll talk about them later he has like a bunch of different friends he has a really gross roommate Spike who's just like so foul and there's a character who he's blonde and encapsulated everything about Britain that I did not like like he's just he's like for comedic effects yeah he's funny he's foul yeah. but like he's he's, he's unwashed know, there's yeah there's something he's... there yeah <laughs> um and it turns out that anna who is julia roberts character had actually called this guy again uh, under the like allegedly to apologize for kissing him but yeah, then she invites him like back a, her like ploy right yeah, that's her plausible deniability. Exactly. Moment. Look at that. Look at that callback, guys. You see that? Do you see that? <laughs> that's her plausible deniability moment. So then she ends up inviting him to her hotel. It turns out it's a press junket, and he doesn't know it. And so he has to like pretend to be from a magazine, yeah. and the first one he thinks of is Horse and Hound, yeah. which is like a running joke throughout it's very cute yeah that whole press um, scene, junket scene is very funny very very funny yeah and so he ends up having to like interview random people and they're they're like what did you like about the movie and he's like eh, i don't know 
though. And then he's like, there could have been more horses or hounds in it. You know, it's like <laughs> they're playing on that. Um, but like, I almost feel like it's almost like a crucible. I, I mean, I don't think she puts him through the test, but it's something that like, it's a test that he seems to um, pass because she's totally charmed yeah, by it by is. that point. <laughs> and so they start like, I think she wants to see him again. And then so she goes through her own crucible which is going to meet his found family, which is this group of friends. Yeah. And they're at his for little his sister's, sister's birthday, birthday party. Yeah. 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 And so then they're like aggressively normal, like Londonite professionals. Mm. They have, they're constantly like trading barbs and like just kind of acidic wit. And so she's kind of thrust into this world and she passes, yeah. you know? And so. It just feels like, oh, these two people like are kind of fitting. It's working, yeah. and so basically, she's he's gonna go back to her hotel room, and like you think it's gonna be all magical, but then it turns out she has a boyfriend oh. played by a boorish Alec oh. Baldwin. Shock, <laughs> horror, <K-O-B-A>. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and so, um, and we'll talk about that scene a little more, but it basically is it's clear that okay, it's not gonna happen for them, yeah. and that's the end of it. Is or is it it's (laughs) yeah so a horrible scandal happens where without her consent so they like publish like the british tabloids publish all these nude pictures she took um when she was like pre-star you know um and i the this is a small aside but at that time like i know nudes are bad now but Watching the movie, it's like, oh, back in the day, this was a, like a career. Yeah, like cover. could have. Really, it was just it kind of a reminder. Everything for her. Yeah. Really yeah. Have. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like feeling really vulnerable, like because her career is like on the rocks because of this. The first place she goes is this random guy she went on one date with. And keep in know? mind, it's like so she goes been to like his six house. months. Like there are like a significant chunk of time. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So that yeah, that tells a significant. Even more. So, yeah. Yeah, so she comes to his apartment and he kind of hides out there. He, she takes refuge there. They connect and they're so cute and they make love. I'm not gonna say have sex because they've made love. Oh, <laughs> I wish you guys could see my face. They, <laughs> <laughs> they make love. So it looks like, oh my gosh, our couple's gonna be together, yay! But then it turns out that his roommate had like blabbed that she was there so the paparazzi comes and they like are like blink 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 oh all the lights are going off and Hugh Grant's character is a bit dismissive of the threat mm-hmm. you know and she's feeling really stressed and like kind of put out there like you know what I mean she feels under siege yeah and so she yells at him and she leaves and that's kind of the end of their relationship all right, his friends are like, this guy's a sad sack. They try to set him up with other girls. We hear multiple Al Green songs, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially Ain't No Sunshine. It's a great montage. And to, there's like a passage of time, and he still just feels like no woman can compare to his little tryst with Anna. Which, is, to be um, fair, that's so, probably true, because remember, she's a freaking global superstar. She's a huge mega movie star, so it probably wouldn't compare. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so he's just kind of determined to be depressed forever. But then his friends are like, hey, she's filming a movie in England. And so he goes to like, you know, he summons up the courage and goes to where she's shooting. She's like, OK, yeah, just like chill for a second and I'll get back to you. Then he overhears her talking to a co-star being like, oh, this is it's just some guy that like I had like a little thing with. It's a little awkward. You know, he feels devastated, mm -hmm. skulks away mm -hmm. and it seems like maybe they're not going to be together. Oh, but wait, she comes into his because <laughs> it doesn't end there. He, he, she comes into his bookstore. Mm -hmm. And this is where we hear the most legendary line really ever. She, yeah. So she's saying, guy, can I like I, you know, I'm going to go back home, but like maybe I don't have to like basically saying like I can change my plans. Like if you want me around, can we be together? Mm -hmm. I mean, this woman is really putting herself out there Completely. in a way that neither Nana nor Misan have ever done. Facts so, are facts. <laughs> she is out there. Uh, everything in that moment and my heart went out to her. So much. And He's going to say yes, right? Because this is the big, like, rom-com get-together moment. moment. Yeah. Does that happen, Nissan? No, it does What not. happens, Nissan? Instead, he basically gut-punches her. I don't know if it's payback for the other two times where she gut-punched him, but he's like, sorry, like, I'm so normal, and you're not. You know, like, this would really be so painful to me because I would always have to see you, and you could just go away. And I don't think he understands in that moment because she's such a tough, like, strong character how much she like is so into this with him and is actually in love with him so he says no so then that's when she mm -hmm. does you know i'm just a girl you know standing yeah in front of a boy. yeah so she says she says listen like i know that the fame thing seems like it's a big deal but it's not real yeah. and at the end of the day i am just a girl or i'm also just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her listen i think this is one of the best rom-com lines Honestly, ever i don't know if it can be <laughs> I, we have to maybe we have to do a poll later on and think about the other ones that we think are yeah iconic but it's so good but yeah. that doesn't change he that he's not moved and he says goodbye oh and nana don't forget part of why she's there she brings him an original painting that is in her apartment because they talk about who their favorite artist is it's chagall and she brings him this painting which yeah, go ahead, Nana. But he doesn't see what it is yet. So he just, it's a gift. Yeah, when she so he, to, it to in him. fairness, yeah, that's right. He hadn't seen, he hadn't opened it. She's like, don't open it when I'm here. That would be embarrassing or mortifying or whatever. So then he like goes to his like found family, including yeah. his sister, um, and tells them, like, I made the right choice, right? And his friends initially are like, yeah, yeah, Anna Scott first, yeah, totally. And then Spike comes in. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I say Spike. Yes, you know, this is where Spike redeems himself. Yeah, Spike is not that bad, you know. <laughs> Spike comes in. Um, and they're like, oh, Spike, uh, Will's just turned down Anna Scott. And Spike is like, you daft prick. And then <laughs> Will's like, wait, I am a daft prick. <laughs> yeah. They, Especially when they see the, po they see the painting. Yeah. They hear the And that line. painting is like, I had to look it up. I think that painting like was valued. It's like original Chagall was valued or like in the movie, that's the idea. It was valued. The real mm -hmm. canvas, it could be worth between $500,000 and a million dollars and this was in um this was in 1999 so who knows that's 1999 money which is different from as everybody knows 2021 money 
but um, that's yeah so that's, that's a lot of but that's like money. a real gift that's a real that's not cookies it's yeah, not cookies it's, it's, okay first of all i bake those cookies with love but it's true my 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 and to be clear i'm talking about chocolate chip cookies not any other sort of euphemism for anything my chocolate chip cookies are not worth a million dollars that is correct <laughs> Yeah, but thank you for looking that up because, like, that puts it into perspective. I just, it, like, like, it's, it's a, a freaking, it's a gift. That is a gift. Yeah. And so his friends are, like, finally, like, he's like, I made a mistake. And they're like, yeah. So then we have a classic, and I love, like, C- Curtis does a lot of these kind of scenes where everybody's just, like, frantically trying to get him to the girl. And mm-hmm. so he's going to the hotel where she's staying. She's not there. The kindly reception, like, is, like, actually she's, like, at the Savoy yeah. so or whatever. She's somewhere else yeah. doing a press conference. He goes there, and then we have an amazing grand gesture scene mm-hmm. where she's answering, like, she's doing a press press conference and she's answering all the different press questions and someone is like how are you like how long are you going to be in England and she's like I'm leaving tomorrow then they're like one more question the guy in the pink shirt that's Will and then he starts asking like hypothetically like the guy that you like said that you were just friends with Mm. in reference to him Mm -hmm. because someone had asked a question about him like could you be more than friends especially if he admitted he was a daft prick or whatever Mm. and then she's kind of like showing like yeah I could be and then the best scene is or the best part is when she's like to the reporter who asked how long she was going to be there, she whispers it to her agent to to for that reporter to ask the question again. So it's like, Anna, how long are you going to be in England? And then with that big ass Julia I Roberts know, smile, teeth, she all says, the teeth there in her mouth. "All the teeth." Mm-hmm. She's like, "Indefinitely." And then he's like, "Happy," and his friends are cheering, and everybody realizes that he's the guy, and it's mm-hmm. been this romantic moment. Then we hear she again. So it's like she. And now she's herself and she's smiling and there's love. And then this is where my brother and I stood up and clapped our hands and started cheering. I can't believe you got up and cheered in your brother's house. (laughs) I mean, you were not in the Um, theater. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. And so that's like, I think, a great. And it doesn't even end there. Um, Then there's almost like an epilogue where they show the duration of their relationship and it's like her living in England and she's pregnant and they have a wedding and all this stuff yeah and so you get to see how their relationship works after the like you actually get to see the happily ever which is actually one of my biggest gripes with rom-coms is that you know they'll have the grand gesture and then you know they're together and they've we've already gone through all these obstacles during the movie and then they kiss and then then like that's it so I really like that Notting Hill actually shows you that epilogue like you see in a lot of that you'll read in a lot of romance novels um, and it ends with her like with a pregnant belly on the bench and this is the bench where they had their first like the ended they ended their first date as well uh, which is very yeah very sweet so I was telling Nana earlier that one of my favorite parts of this movie is the pacing because it's very much like a slow burn mm-hmm. right it's like has the fits and starts of a real relationship which is probably why it like lands with people it's not sort of like, oh, you like, I mean, for most of us, <laughs> you don't sort of like, you know, fall in love and then everything works perfectly. They have a bunch of misunderstandings, like they're different obstacles and it's not clear. Like six months passes and then she comes in and seeks refuge with him, with him after like her nude photo scandal. And then they like have another fight and then like a year passes, a year and some change. And then she's in England filming and then he goes and finds her. Yeah. And then there's another misunderstanding and she lays it all. And then, you know, again and again and again. So it's like... It just shows sort of how deliberate 
um, and making yourself vulnerable needs to be and how it's like something you have to do constantly. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you do one time yeah. and then the relationship is like, oh, all right, now we're in love. It's like an iterative effort. Yeah. And I find that very, I find that very interesting. I think it's part of why it connects people. It's like, oh, like this is real. It's not some sort of like, as much of it's like a fantasy of like, you know, this megastar falling off, falling in love with like a niche bookstore owner. Like there's a lot of it feels grounded in how relationships actually work. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, vulnerability is like an iterative process. Yeah. I, I don't know if Brene Brown has said it, but whatever. <laughs> but Misan is not that you heard her. So you heard it yeah. here first, okay? You heard uh, it here first. And Bre- <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. So this is, I feel like, because we have a lot to say, this will benefit the most from we're just going to talk about a few themes that we see mm. and then kind of dive deep. All right, y'all? And so the first, um, Misan, is because I think we've alluded to it quite a few times, is the nature of celebrity, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, I feel like this movie is almost like a meditation on the the way the, the celebrity, like the nature of celebrity and the relationship between celebrities and the public, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, there's this great line um, in the movie where, he, like, when um, Will is, like, really depressed about Anna and his friend is kind of like, oh, it was, like, never going to work because, like, Anna's a goddess and you know what happens when mortals get involved with gods, like, in, you know, Greek and Roman yeah. sort of um, mythology. But that is the idea of the movie. Like, Anna is not oftentimes – how do I say this? Like, celebrities, especially at that time, were not, like – people right Mm. they felt like they were on top of olympus they were like in another world Mm. or another universe and i think the movie really gets into that but i think it's saying like it's trying to like not subvert it but dig deeper right it's like we've there's these constructed personalities that exist for public consumption Mm. but there's a real person behind it and as a public especially at that time when the only way we consume celebrities was specifically through movies very pre- organized press it was basically like what they fed us mostly unless some sort of like gossip story broke where you know hugh grant was caught uh with a prostitute in la like late at night yeah or something something like that or like you know like think about kristen stewart a few years ago when those photos popped of her like showed up of her like making out with her director her married director in a car or something like that otherwise it's a very much created reality that's being fed to you um like this this person the persona of the celebrity versus um, who they really are. There's supposed to be like this huge gap, probably. Yes. And and so we've never, especially at this time, I think oftentimes it wasn't, nobody really bothered to look at the person behind that, mm-hmm. right? Like the public is perfectly satisfied with like, it's, it's like a deal. Like, you know how like they say the, the royal family has a deal with the British public, which is like, you yeah. can control, you can like critique us and consume us as long as we can exist. I feel like the American celebrity for a very long time was like royalty in that way, which yeah. is like your whole, the understanding was like, you're, you're able to make these millions of dollars. You're able to do all of this because you exist for our consumption. Right. And oftentimes people weren't openly railing against that because they were called spoiled or whatever. Yeah, like how But this they. movie in a yeah. very... Yeah. But this movie in a very sensitive way is like, well, no, Anna's a person, so let's, like, explore that personhood, you know? Yeah. And so I think I think there's, like, a lot of going on. Um, you know, there's some lines in the movie 
that are just so self-aware about the nature of stardom mm. like one when she's at dinner with his friends you know um the sister's birthday thing yeah and she's like there, there's a game that they play where they're like oh the person with the saddest story can win the last brownie and so like yeah. one guy's like I don't really know what I'm doing in my job and no one will date me you know like they go around mm. and she's like um, you know, I've been on a diet since I've been 19, which means I've been starving for nearly a decade. Yeah. It take took a lot, two painful surgeries to get me to look this way. And, you know, I'm waiting for the day that like everybody, like my looks will go inevitably, inevitably go mm. and people will discover I can't act and I'll just be a woman who used to look like someone famous. Boom. That lie is like such like a, so, that's a lands, gut punch. It and I think hard. It really does. It lands, it lands hard. It lands hard. And it's like, I think it's coming from a real place. Yeah. And it's Anna saying that like, because his friends and everybody were fawning over her mm. because that's what you do when you see a celebrity. They were like falling over themselves. Like, I can't believe she's here. But it's her saying that like that, Thing that you are being attracted to right is not real it took mm. painful surgeries it took starvation yeah. it took like a lot yeah. of you know pain and suffering to get to this place like to create it because yeah. it's a contrivance yeah um and the other really good line she says and then i'll like kick the mic over to misan is there's a moment where like they had just after they had just made love and she says that very famous Rita Hayworth line, which is like men go to bed with Gilda and they wake up with me. Yeah. And Gilda yeah. was like a character that the character that like made Rita Hay- Hayworth. It's like, you know, that famous scene where she's like, like her, she flips her hair back and like, it's like, Ugh. there's like the sexy scene. And that was her character. Um, and it's basically means like, oh, men, um, they go to bed with the fantasy yeah. and are disappointed when the they reality. wake up with the real person. Yeah. Cause that's not me. And I think, and I think Will has like a, has to figure uh, that oh, so, himself, right? Figure that out for himself. Like who she really is. Yes. Versus what he that sees. was the question I was going to ask you. Oh, look at that. Great minds think alike. Or do they think for themselves? Uh, so I think, I think you see through the movie cause there's a point when like they like separate, um, that you see him watching her movies, like watching the space movie that she had done while she was in London and that's why yes. you know she was yes. doing that whole like that that's why she was doing that press junket for it um and he's like seeing her everywhere and he's trying to reconcile who she really is with what he sees on screen and she's playing characters each time on screen and I think for us Julia like mm-hmm. so this is this is Will's story right so he's like very much it's his perspective it's all in his environment um he's a bit of an unreliable narrator um, so we don't get to see her inner thoughts or inner feelings. And she's very much a, like a restrained person. So it takes a while to realize that, oh, like she does feel deeply for him. Like this is who she, like who she really is, is like this witty person that's beyond this like woman that made $15 million on her last picture. Yeah. I actually feel like, okay, so you're leading us into a really good segue about two things I re- want to talk about, yeah. which is the characters of Anna and Will mm. and the actors of Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant. Mm. And I think they kind of go together because I think this is a meta movie. Like, it's a movie about movies or rom-com about rom-coms, mm. right? And so, like... To what Misan was saying, in especially the 90s, I'm going to talk about the 90s because that's when I was like consuming movies, and it kind of seems to have tipped off in like the social media age. But you used to watch movies 
you like you were kind of interested in the plot but you watched for the star yeah. like it, it was the Will Smith movie yeah. you were seeing yeah. not like that particular whatever it's not like it's a Marvel um, and movie so they, that you wanted it was to all see of, it's the actor that you cared about yeah yeah exactly like you were going to see an actor play out their public persona in the context of whatever the plot of the movie is mm. most, more, more or less Basically. and so that's why Julia Roberts was huge right she was always playing like this kind of sweetheart character who was like you know, whatever. Like, she had the big smile, and she was plucky, and she was mm. down to earth. Mm. Um, and so the casting of this movie feels so deliberate because you're watching Julia Roberts play, not even a Julia Roberts character, play what we imagine Julia Roberts to be, exactly. like this big celebrity. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that you're watching Hugh Grant, like, play a Hugh Grant type, mm. which is this movie you know um it's a it's a movie that leans very heavily into the typecasting because they know that you have all these associations of the actor that you're going to bring into like sort of read into the performances and most movies do that but this one felt very express and deliberate Mm. you know what i mean Mm. um and uh just to kind of give you a sense of the types like i mean how would you describe the julia roberts type uh, she's very like smiley. Uh, Julia Ro- like mm-hmm. the Julia Roberts type is very smiley. She's like plucky. Um, she's someone that you can like imagine being like your sister or your daughter or something like that. There's something very yes. every woman about her, even though like Julia Roberts in real life is not. But like who she plays is like feels like oh like I went to high school with her or she's my cousin or something like that. That feels like Julia Roberts to me. Yeah. A Julia Roberts type to me. But and what I find interesting is she doesn't play that for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. She plays the celebrity exactly. Julia Roberts, yeah. and I think that's like the smart thing that the movie does, right? Yeah, because so it's, <laughs> like, it's like you it want flips. you you keep it flips it, yeah, and you keep wanting to impose the Julia Roberts type on it because that's like who you see her as. Yeah. But like she's not really giving you that because of this restrained performance, mm. and so it's like. It, it creates a lot of mystique and confusion yeah. around your relationship to Anna's character, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, whereas I think uh, Hugh Grant is playing a Hugh Grant type, and um, my brother kind of brought this up. There's this really funny family guy line that's like, I'm charmingly befuddled. And that's like, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's like the Hugh Grant type. That's a great description <laughs> yeah. of who he normally plays. Yeah. 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 He has like the side part or the mid part. Yeah, the, the hair. Oh my god, middle. his hair is at the most, hair. Like, it's the like classic in this movie, or maybe it's not. But yeah. it's just there's something about. And then the glasses. Oh my god, the glasses. Mm-hmm. Are, oh my god, the glasses. Very very attractive. Very very attractive. <laughs> yeah, he's attractive, and he does this thing. Um, I'm sorry, I'm gonna go on a brief tangent, but it's important. Um, he does. He's wearing a rumpled shirt. Like, he always wears rumpled button down. But then there's, like, that hint of sexiness because he's o- they're always, like, the first few buttons are unbuttoned. <laughs> and so there's, like, a sexuality that's not threatening, right? Mm. It's, like, he's constantly, again, befuddled and diffident. And the movie, because, you know, Hugh Grant is constantly described as diffident, right? Like, mm. it's British diffidence, mm. which means sort of, like, a bashfulness, right? Like, mm. is that's kind of how you would say it? Yeah, I think that's um, right. And this movie literally describes him. Someone is like the diffident fellow over there. So it's completely self-aware yeah. of who the cat. The it's so interesting are, because it's types. so self-aware that you might think it's a little too on the nose. Like casting Julia Roberts as like the mm-hmm. megastar in 1999 when she was the megastar in 1999, you would think would be yes. like oh so obvious, and it's like it doesn't work. But 
there, like you said, it's like a sort of a flipping of what would be your usual expectations, how everyone like engages with each other that makes it work and feel grounded in reality for all the fact that it's very much a fantastical film in the sense that like when I say fantastical, I mean, it's so still a real world, but like, what are the odds of this type of thing happening? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, like just kind of, cause when we were talking about, um, I think you mentioned Anna mm. and just like who she is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I want to, um, and I, I know it's a little abrupt, but I just want to make sure we talk about this because this whole thing opened because I have a brother who's a hater about Julia Roberts, right? Um, and my other brother, when I was watching it, I think he was a little like, you know, Anna, like we talked about Anna. She doesn't seem that nice. Yeah, like she's like, like her, kind yeah. of jerking him around. Yeah. yeah. Is, she, is Julia Roberts that, like he'd be like, yeah, Julia Roberts, is she that good of an actress? Whatever, right? Mm. The moment that she comes to the bookshop I think is like where you see the acting chops come mm. in and I mm. I say that like good acting is when it's effortless you don't see how the sauce so- you don't see the stitching you don't see how the sausage is being made mm. right and she goes from doing this like restrained thing that Misan is talking about where I call it like restrained amusement because she's constantly has these little like smirks and you can- you're like I think she's kind of amused by yeah. Will but I don't know yeah. you know yeah. and and you're like the audience is kind of like because we're Will is like our surrogate or you know like we're seeing it through his perspective mm-hmm. so it's the same thing like does she like him does she I don't know which is how like Will probably feels right yeah. um, but the moment she goes to that um, bookstore and I talked to Nissan about this she is stripped down Completely. she is not wearing she's wearing a dowdy outfit she's so normie she's wearing flip-flops. it was like very <laughs> yeah it's just so like, normie there was like the twin set card I was like Anna what's yeah. happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes she's like she's just all the glamour is taken off she's wearing flip-flops and all of a sudden you see these little like breaks in the veneer mm. of the persona of mm. anna scott mm. because she's she's twitching a little her her eyes are watery and you can see the character trying to exercise that restraint and trying to be anna scott and yeah. failing at it yeah. you know yeah and so this is the first time the audience is actually seeing what she says in the line, which is a girl who's in love with a guy mm. or a girl who's asking a guy to love her. Mm. Like you finally see that yeah. person. Yeah. And it took, it, I don't think it was like, I think it was intentional. It took the whole movie for us to see like, Oh, she's really in love with him. Mm. Right. Um, and Julia Roberts does that really well. The vulnerability in that bookshop scene, like I start tearing up because there's like, we said this before mm-hmm. about how such a big part of what, makes a love story a love story is when people make themselves vulnerable to each other and they don't know if it's going to work right they do it and they take the leap and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't you see she puts it all out there and he's like no like you're gonna hurt me too much like he's too so much in himself to understand that she's really like like flaying herself open for him basically for to show how much she loves him um and he's not able to receive it so she does all of that and it doesn't work at the time um, and I just yeah. can imagine how painful that is for her. He's like, you're going to leave me in tatters. And to to be fair to him, the first few engaged interactions that they've had, he's been left like moping and a sad sack. But he doesn't know how yeah. she's been left, which yeah. is what's interesting. Um, yes, and we don't know. We don't know either. So now we see like, oh, wow, no, she's really in this. And he's like, oh, no, no, I like, I, I will never be able to forget you, but you will forget me easily. Goodbye, um, essentially. Uh, and it's just, oh my God, it was so painful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
the final showdown. Because this is just important to me because Nissan and I get into this argument all the time. Uh, <laughs> um, and I don't know if it was best to save it to the end. I want to say what I love about this movie is I feel it is like a classic British rom-com mm. and it gets all the things I like about British rom-coms, right? And even, again, pointing to my brother who is not a rom-com person. Mm. He just was watching this and he's like, oh, do they make these like Brit rom-coms anymore? Just kind of like fondly because, you know, he's seen like, you know, four weddings and a funeral yeah, and things like that. That's a good one. And so it's like, a it's a very specific style. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and... I was telling Misan, I'm not going to say they're superior because this seems to be triggering or very, Yeah, like, I hate it. I hate uh, it. I hate it so much. Polemic language. I hate it so much. <laughs> what I will say is I am, I would say an abashed, not unabashed, an abashed Anglophile because we know the history of the British and what they did to my people. Yeah. But... <laughs> But it also means that, like, I was just raised on, you know, British literature and stuff like that because of the way my parents are. And so I think what I love about British rom-coms is the two things. The um, the language, mm. I think that they relish, I like, like, what I was, like, trying to explain is, like, I think they, like, take a bite out, chew, and savor words. Mm. Like, you can just feel it. Mm. Like, the barbs are not just like for the sake of being mean. It's to show that you have like a deafness or an adroitness with language, right? And the other person is like not offended by that because they also kind of appreciate it. It's like a, it's a form of verbal sparring, yeah, you know? Yeah. And you can tell there's like a lot of respect there. And that's kind of just the way my brothers and I have always been raised. So that's like how we, like, that's like, it's almost like if you're in the club, you can kind of hang yeah. by like doing this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, and so. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. You're not done yet. Okay, and so I think that just makes the banter really good. Mm. Um, and the second thing I think why I like British rom-coms is because I like British comedy, um, which is so much about the residing in the discomfort mm. and not letting you escape it. The cringe um, so piece this, of it, right? The cringe, yeah. yeah. And so there's so much, like this movie has that, where there's just like, pauses that are longer than they should be because you like want to know that this is an awkward moment mm. and whereas I think American um, comedy is very like self-aware in the way that it's like we're gonna be a little hokey or over the top so you know this is a comedy so you won't feel like, too uncomfortable wink, wink. right yeah. yeah wink wink yeah the Brits want to make it as naturalistic as possible so that you like your stomach cringes everything cringes and you're just there yeah. and I think that especially because what we're talking about romance being so much about vulnerability mm. I think that like just the two things work so well right when you have these increasingly awkward moments to show that this person is like a little socially inept then like I, I, I just I like and maybe this is because this is how I feel like I feel like in the world, you know? Mm. And so if I was to, like, embark on a big romantic, like, venture, there's going to be a lot of cringy and awkward moments. <laughs> well, I mean, know? romance requires, I think romance requires, like, we said that I feel like this is, like, the tagline for this episode. Romance requires vulnerability. Yeah. Right? So Vulnerability. I, like, so I take umbrage to, like, the alleged superiority. Yes. Like, that's just why not, I did not want to use that because it triggers me. <laughs> I'm already getting upset. <laughs> About, like, the alleged superiority. Because I think it's very... So, like, I guess two... Multiple things. Let's see. Where do I even start? So I agree that British rom-coms, there's something about them that has, like, 
there's a draw to them and there's some sort of like a quality that I find endearing with them. It's why like I think um, this movie Notting Hill worked so well. It's why I really like Four Weddings and a Funeral. I don't like all of them. So I, I really love that TV show Love Sick that we'll probably talk about eventually. Um, yes, that I think yes. it's one of the it's best rom-coms of the past, like honestly of the 2000s, frankly. I just think it's so good and it's a TV yeah. show. It's very well done. Um, so I don't disagree about that. I think that I think the banter is good and I think there's something about with the wordplay and you know how they engage in it but I also think it sounds better because it's in a British accent frankly so I think they get away I don't think I think they get away with a little (laughs) bit of sort of like meanness um because yeah sure like there's this like shared nature where they're like you know oh we get it you don't really mean it but do you in a way that would feel I think if if it was said in American accent would feel harsher frankly so I think part like that's what well, go ahead. Okay. No, talk. Okay, sorry, sorry. I know you know you gave me a chance. So no, it's you okay. Can, we can you talk. Can keep ahead. talking. No, it's okay. <laughs> I just I think we I give think leeway more... because of the British accent. I think I think we give more leeway than we would I... because it's coming from an accent that feels it's not what we it's not our um, natural one, frankly. Okay, I think that it's not so much about the accent; it's that. There is, and I, I was talking about this with the friends thing too, but I think it happens with cultures, right? There's a subtext. Mm. Like there are things that people don't say, but it's like a shared way, a shared way of using a language, a shared understanding, a shared set of cultural references mm. that's always sort of brimming below. And so the reason why it doesn't feel mean is because we're, we, we don't see the subtext, but we get there, there's something yeah, there. Yeah, the way that, that they like, sort of, like yeah. This is just like, this is like a sort of a cultural tradition or like, and I'm using this very broadly. Like, I'm sure not all British people talk and engage yeah, with like language this way. But we even different. see this in Jane Austen. Yeah. You know, like, there's like barbiness, there's meanness that doesn't feel mean. Like, I think there's a straight line from Jane Austen to this kind of, like, the wordplay, the being sort of arch and like being a little sarcastic, you know? It's just what they do. And I think the reason why it doesn't work for Americans oftentimes is like, not because like it's a bad thing, it's just not the way we talk, you know? It just isn't. So it's like, you're watching people do what they do, they're gonna be better at it in that way. Yeah. And if it's appealing to you. Yeah, I mean, and I think part of, I think part of the thing for both of us is that we both have like sarcastic dry wit like dry wits rather so like that's something that is appealing appeals and and so it's something that we like recognize and can enjoy and embrace and other people that you know sarcasm is not necessarily their thing or maybe their family aren't like roasting each other on the regular like my family does and your family seems to exactly (laughs) like it doesn't it doesn't you know it feels you know a bit like harsher you know so I I get that yeah I think what I push back at a little bit because I feel that and this is someone that is an Anglophile, sort of a bit more, like, begrudging. I guess a bash is the right word. Um, I, yeah. I'm not, like, I'm not as much of, like, you know, it's not as necessarily, like, British comedy as much as, like, British murder shows. <laughs> That's my sweet spot. Yeah. Like, Midsummer Murders, like, you know, all sorts, like, so many. I don't even get me started. Um, Happy Valley. Happy Valley, one. Vera, you know, like, a bunch of them. But Midsummer yeah. Murders is, like, my go-to. So I get it. And there's something, like, very, like, about that dryness. But I think... I think this is my like inherent Americanness sort of pushing back a little bit mm-hmm. because I think sometimes it feels like there's this um, attempt or some a feeling of superiority that comes across from the British side in comparison to like American art that I like 
I, I don't know why I'm trying to defend America. America doesn't need me to defend it. <laughs> but <laughs> certainly not. I mean, America's like the we're the biggest cultural exporter. Yeah, in the we world. are. But I, I think I but I think there's there's this there's this thing with British like and this is a broad generalization, obviously. So British people, yeah, f- feel free to come for me on like come for me. I'm please go for it. Um, but I think there's this sort of like sort of like oh you know. Yeah, America's the biggest cultural expert, but, you know, we're, like, the smarter version, you know? And I think that's sort of what Mm -hmm. I bristle at a little bit. Um, Because Mm -hmm. I think in terms of, like, rom-coms, they're great British rom-coms. Clearly, this is one of them. This is one of the best rom-coms ever. And there's a reason it's probably one of the highest grossing, like, British films of all time. Um, Yeah. But I, like, I I guess I want to say USA. 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 No. Okay. (laughs) My very last point. Oh my god, why I, do you have to get the I last word? I, <laughs> no, okay, you no, you can get the last word after okay. me, but this is just the last point okay. I want to make. Okay. 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 We're good? We're good? No, We're good? no continue. We're I'm good, girl? I'm okay. all ears. I'm all ears. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think for me, I love American... Like, I think it's like under everybody has their lane yeah. and loving what they are. Yeah. Like, I love American stuff in the way that... I love Sweet Valley or... Like processed foods, or oh <laughs> like <laughs> uh. <laughs> where it's like it does what it does and it does it well. It's there to entertain. It's there to be appealing. It's there to I don't want to use the word titillate, but it's there. No, to, but like, titillate is probably like closer. I'm like yeah, yeah, like to like sort of and, what it aims to do. And, yeah, like and bringing this back to the movie, I think. America. When I say America, I really mean Hollywood. Yeah, right? no, true. Like the yeah. way we produce, like a, most a lot of our content. And I'm not talking about indie. I'm just talking about the broadly. Yeah, like the mainstream stuff. stuff. Yeah, mainstream is it's selling a fantasy. Yeah, right. It's selling a total fantasy in a very knowingly fantastical way. Mm. And so everybody in a rom com looks. Ten times better than anybody you've ever met in life. True. Everything has like a Hollywood sheen and veneer, yeah. and we have a banter. But the banter is like there's like all the moments of like someone being awkward, like a Sandra Bullock movie, right? Like I tripped or whatever. Yeah, and it's very or someone saying something sticky. stupid. It's not subtle. It's, it's not subtle but at all. It, it, it's not subtle, and it doesn't really feel like real vulnerable. You're not getting a sense of real vulnerability for the character because it's so clearly sort of staged and contrived, yeah. right? And I think what I like about a lot of British rom-coms is they just feels more naturalistic. Like, the people tend to just be much more normal-looking. Yeah. Like, even if they're really good-looking, they're good-looking, like, a way someone on the street is good-looking, you know? No, I think, they don't, yeah. It doesn't no, have as much true. of... That's true. I think... I, I guess... I, so it doesn't have as much of the gloss. Yeah. No, you're not wrong about that. I think there, I think that speaks also to the difference between, like, British comedy and, and American comedy, right? It feels To me, it feels like... And again... Not an ice weekend broad generalization. So if you have specifics, yes, it's yes. Go, go ahead and come for us, guys. But we already gave these disclaimers at the beginning. So and continue to like lawyers. Uh, so <laughs> this is what's happening. Um, I think American comedy feels is very physical a lot of times, right? There's a lot of like I feel like there's like a physical like sort of like slapstick, a bit like yeah. rash nature to it, right? And then. Yeah. And we can't, we have the vaudeville tradition. Yeah, like, like it's, it's sort it's of like, like that sort of know. stuff, right? You know, and that's I, I, I don't want to say it's quintessentially American, but something that we tend to like we tend to produce, right? While yeah, I I think you're right that I I don't see as much. Maybe I'm not watching the right things, but I, I feel like I see less sort of that that physicality of comedy with um 
British humor. Like, it's sort of like you said, the wordplay, the banter, the sort of like using your words in like a, like, you know, it's like a sword fight, but your words are your weapons, right? And there's something, like, there's something Mm -hmm. intriguing about like the fencing back and forth and who's like the, like the wittiest person to be able to go back and forth and say what they're saying. So I get it. It's the naturalistic nature of it. There's something that feels real. But what I will say that Mm -hmm. you're right that America has the gloss. Like, and to be fair, let's again, like you're right, Hollywood has the gloss and the sheen. It's why you'll have people that are like 25 playing like 15-year-olds and then you like look and see real 15-year-olds in high school and they're like, these people have like acne and braces, but I don't see that on One Tree Hill. Like WTF. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like it's why you'll see that as opposed to like Skins. Where it was like Dev Patel, you know, and all these different, and Daniel Kaluuya, mm-hmm. um, Nicholas Holtz, and they are yeah. young people, and they had the acne and like you know, sort of the bad teeth and whatever, and they you know grew really yes. grew into themselves for most of them. Um, so there's that difference, but I will say it feels like, and this is a Richard Curtis thing, maybe I will say specifically, mm-hmm. there's a very specific type of reality um, that is, even if it's grounded in reality and authenticity. It's a very specific type. It's like we said earlier, it's like the upper class, sort of like, you know. Super white. Super yeah. white, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're looking at how, you know, we went to Harrow and I don't know where else they go. You know, we went to Harrow and we went to Eton. Yeah. Uh, and then someone went to Oxford or Cambridge and that's that sort of like. Yeah. Okay. That sort of, that's the environment that we see and that's what seems to be exported a lot, you know, globally, at least to America. That That's what we see a lot of. Um while and that's fine and that's entertaining but it's a reality for some people it's i feel like yes in america and then you know for all of its many faults our country my country tis of thee blah 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 for all of its many faults Mm -hmm. it feels like there's a little bit more of a nod and maybe a nod is insulting it's not enough but it feels like there's a little bit of a nod to creating um I mean, this is more recent, but, like, there's less sort of, like, less of, like, what's being exported seems to be less about whiteness. There's there's ability for other realities, other things to sort of peek through and get that sort of sunlight in a way that I don't see as much with, with the British side of things. So even though I respect the banter, I agree that it's entertaining, I enjoy that, I just want to sort of push back on, like, from the Brit rom-coms that we see, it just feels like it's authentic, it's authentic but for who? It's not for everyone. And I just think it's something we should think about. But the American ones from, like, the 90s were super, super white, too. Yeah, but there was, like, a mix. It wasn't just, it wasn't just the, like, super white ones. Like, yeah, so, like, late 1999, um, we have She's All That. It's, it was white, but it wasn't like there were only white people in the movie. It wasn't like there were only white people that, like... Were... But it was, like, a very white reality where they just kind of p- occasionally pasted in token people of color. But I'm saying... So are you saying it's, like, that was enough? I'm not saying okay. it's enough, but I'm saying it's... To me, at least, there's there's an acknowledgement of other people that are required to be part of, like, oh, they're in high school, okay. they're here, they're part of the story, as opposed to the Brit side of things that feels, at least for these specific rom-coms, because Notting Hill came at out... The, and at this time. At this time. Like, Notting yeah, Hill came out time. in 1999. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's all that. I mean, not that a teen rom-com should be, like, the perfect... Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the, I mean, we can't compare the... the perfect two, sort of, yeah. like, comparison. But I'm just saying, this is one I can think of off the top of my yeah. head. Yes. But, like, She's All That, it's, like, that's also super popular, but it's not just, like, this, like, it might be an upper-class neighborhood, but there are other people that, it it, it speaks Mm -hmm. to other people being part of the reality, even if it is token diversity. Um, And maybe that's sort of why, and maybe this is a little bit of Gina's point, like, 
wrestle a little bit about sort of like giving it more um, praise than it than I think it necessarily deserves. All right. Well, this is not the end of no, this. No, this is going to continue. Anana needs to get the last word. <laughs> See, <laughs> I guess I told you. I told you. She does this all the time. <laughs> anyway, no, but this has been us with our like debate about Notting Hill, um, which has been. I don't know, guys. Clearly, we really love this episode. Um, it's a great movie. Yeah. You guys should watch it. It's going off of Netflix like May 31st. So there's not that much time. Yes. <laughs> but I'm sure there's, I'm sure it'll be streaming elsewhere, but it's great. It's worth it. We loved it. Um, but you know, Nana and I will continue to debate what, which one we like better, but this was our, Nana Rez, this was our first Brit rom-com, right? Isn't it our first one? Yeah. Everyone else has been American. Yeah. Right? And there'll be many. Yeah. It's not the only yeah. one we'll do. There'll be many. It's not, it's not the only one we'll do. <laughs> we'll bring back this debate. Uh, said. There's always going to be respect between oh us. Oh my even god! When we don't you do not need to do things. this. You guys, I wish you could see Nana. Nana just did this like bow, like we just had like, <laughs> like we just had this like battle, <laughs> and she said, "I will always have respect for you." <laughs> uh. So, but we will definitely. Yeah, no, this will this. be because there's just not enough time. No, we not. both have a lot. We to have say very clearly have very strong opinions, obviously. <laughs> And I, I probably will have to see it at some point that Nana's not wrong. But I also, I, but like I said, USA, USA, USA. <laughs> um, okay, so that is our Notting Hill episode. There's like so much we can't yeah, put it cover, yeah. but we hope we gave you a little bit of a glimpse into the film. And anything else, Misan, or should we move on to our Happily Ever After? Um, I... I there's so much more like that we could talk about, but let's we should probably cut it off. Otherwise, we'll be here for like another hour. Uh, so let's see our happy yeah. ever after. Okay. My happily ever after. Just I basically read Intimacy Experiment by Rose Dannon, which is fine. Yeah. She's the woman who wrote the Rosie. Roommate. Sorry, Rosie what was Dannon. It? Oh, sorry, Rosie Dannon. Um, what was the roommate movie or book that you recommended? The, the, it was The Roommate. Yeah, it was The Roommate. That's, it was the first book that she wrote. The Roommate. Yeah. Yeah. The first one that she wrote. Yeah. So, it, it's fine, but it, like, I didn't love it enough to make it my happily ever after. Yeah. So, I'm going to cheat this week and say, my happily ever after is the song Something to Talk About by Miss Bonnie Ray. Yes. <laughs> and B-Side, will you allow it this time? I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Because it's a great freaking song. It's a great song. It was in a movie that I didn't, I don't really remember with Julia Roberts, funnily enough, ah. and Dennis Quaid. Um, and um, what I love about this song is one, it opens with like that classic Bonnie Raitt slide guitar, which is like. And it like takes you to a time where like the Judds were a big act. And I was, like, watching, like, the Torkelsons. Like, country music didn't feel so aggressive mm, at the time. Mm, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It was, like, it was it was fun. Um, and I think the thing I like about the movie the most is that it, it – or, sorry, the, the song is that it actually is, like, a mini love story yeah. that has the two friends falling in love plot, you know? Um, and so very few songs, like oftentimes when you listen to a love song, they're like torch songs or ballads where someone is loves someone, but they don't love them back. Yes, right. Yes. Or they're like 
kind of remembering a relationship or they're breaking up or, you know, mm. this is about two people contemplating getting together, which is like, you never really get Yeah, that. no, usually you're like you in the I mean? middle of it or it's like someone that's pining, you're <laughs> mm-hmm. right, or it's like, it's ended badly. Um, yeah, that's, it's interesting. Yeah. And so, uh, two more seconds where I'll just give you a few of the lyrics. So it's like, it starts, and I will not sing this as much as I want to, but it's like people are talking, talking about people. I hear them whisper, you won't believe it. They think we're lovers kept undercover, and I just ignore them, but they keep saying we laugh just a little too loud. We stand just a little too close. We stare just a little too long. Maybe they're seeing something we don't, darling. Ooh, right? Isn't it I so mean, good, it's Visa? Good. It's good. It's good. And then the second verse is, um, I'll be so foolish. I never noticed you act so nervous. Could you be fallen for me? Like, I took a rumor to make me wonder. Now I'm convinced I'm going under. Like, it's just so cute, right? It's It's like two people who get along so well that the entire world is like, they must be boinking. There's something going on. Yeah, (laughs) obviously. And she's like, well... I never thought about you in that way, but like they might have something. They going might, on here. you know, so they let's, might. They let's might give them something wrong. to talk about. Also, can I just yeah. tell you? So it's great that you use boinking. <laughs> I feel like we've had so many euphemisms as related to sex in this episode more than we intended. <laughs> but boinking, I think, is a great way to end it. Honestly, so thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. And again, parents, please yeah. stop, stop listening to this show. Uh, <laughs> All right, so that's, so that's it. That's a great song. I think Bonnie Ray is, I, I mean, just, like, one of the most, like, I mean, I wouldn't call her underrated, but you don't hear about Bonnie Ray that much anymore, and she has some real classics, yeah. like, super, super, and that is definitely one of them. Um, I don't know if that movie, it's, like, the song title, like, that shares its name its name with is, like, actually a rom-com, but maybe we'll do that eventually. We'll see. Um, and it is a rom-com. Oh, it is a rom-com. I don't think it's very good. Oh, so, yeah, I guess yeah. that's on our list. There you go. More Julia yeah. Roberts to come. Um, I mean, yes. but she's a rom-com queen, so she was always there. Always going to be more of her. Uh, so my H E A this week is by Emily Henry. Uh, she wrote Beach Read, and this book is her latest. It's called People We Meet on Vacation. Um, and I actually like this mm-hmm. better than Beach Read. Uh, so People We Meet on Vacation is basically about two people, uh, Poppy and Alex. They're like total opposites, um, but for whatever reason, they like like bond um their like first semester at U Chicago taking a road trip back to like their I think Ohio like small town or whatever uh, or neighboring small towns um and so they spend like the next two summers going on trips together so like they'll take the time out to travel like she has this huge wanderlust he's like a homebody so they'll take the time to travel and it becomes clear that they have feel like they're in love with each other and they've slowly like fallen in yeah. love slowly but surely over these like these 10 trips um but something happened on, like, the last trip they took, like, two years ago when the book opens. And we, like, find that, po- like, Poppy and Alex have stopped talking to each other for whatever reason. So Poppy is, like, depressed. Like, the last time her life made sense is when she and Alex were, like, best friends again. So she basically, like, comes up with mm-hmm. this plan for them to go on, like, another trip to save their friendship. And, of course, 
through that. Spoiler alert. You, you won't be surprised to oh, see that, so this... that there's, you know, love that is found. Um, this is another best friends falling in love. It's best friends falling in love. And best friends that yeah! make no sense for them to be best friends. Honestly, they're so different. He, like, yeah. loves khakis and she's, like, edgy. Um... But oh, I love this. I know this. you would really, it. you would. I think you would really like this book, Nana. I will say that this book starts off slow, um, but then it picks up closer towards the end, um, and it has one of the best declarations of love I've seen in a book. I think this year it was really good. Like it really like touched me a lot. Just their like getting together scene, and then but just when she like oh I'm goes it. for it, you know, it's I cried a little bit. It was really good. Uh, you cried? I did. did I teared cry? up. I teared up. You know, you know, like, you know, I'm a softie <laughs> underneath all this, like, sarcastic, contrarian, cynical, argumentative uh, <laughs> persona. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very tough, but also oh. sensitive. But yeah, so I teared up. If, I don't know. It was just like, I we've talked about this before, but there's something about that gut punch, that angst that hits you. And if it's done really well, mm-hmm. um, it, it really resonates with you. So I teared up a little bit. Uh, I hope I'm not overhyping this, but you guys, this book is so good. People Will Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. Get it. Check it out. Maybe get it from the library. But it came out, like, last week, I think it did. Um, and I okay. could not wait. And, guys, if you like Beach Read, this one, I loved it so much more than, so much more than I loved Beach Read. And I shouldn't say I loved Beach Read. I liked Beach Read. But this I loved. Um, I liked Beach Read. Yeah, yeah. Like, I liked Beach Read, but this is, I think this is better. Um, yeah. So check it out. People Will Meet on Vacation. Yay! Ah, this has been quite the ride. It has been. We've talked. We've debated. We didn't cry, but maybe we'll save crying for, like, another episode. (laughs) 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 Just to give you guys the full gamut of our emotions. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Thank you. And to think I thought that there wouldn't be much to say. I know. You guys, you guys will laugh at, I was laughing at Nana because Nana, like when we were like prepping for this episode, Nana was like, oh, I feel like this will be like a a short, like a 30 to 40 minutes. I was like, Nana, you and I talk too much for that to be the case. She's like, no. I I was like, Nana, (laughs) we talk too much individually for that to be the case. (laughs) (laughs) But this, I like, this was Uh, so, this is so good, guys. I really like, I... Like, I hope you guys watch it. And please, like I said, we're going to put our email address um, in the show notes. Uh, So reach out, give us feedback, tell us what you thought about the movie or like what you thought about us talking about love and vulnerability. Or if you've taken big leaps of faith, like I said before, guys, let us know. Yes. And leave voice memos, please. We'll put your voice like we did uh, Cousin Gina. I like, I just like saying Cousin Gina because it reminds me of like, I don't know, like, like Cousin Pam. Yes. Like you say cousin Gina. I'm sorry, Gina. Gina, I'm sure you sound awesome, but I'm just gonna keep doing that. <laughs> but please, like we'll have we'll incorporate like voice memos and notes and thoughts into um this episode. Uh or into rather into more episodes like we did uh with cousin Gina's voice note. So thank you for cousin Gina for giving us uh a great structure to build around and maybe we convinced you. Please let us know. Yeah. All right, bye All right. guys. Well, that's it. See you later. Bye. bye.